0: an ordinary game, but a showcase of skill, strength, and determination. The players have trained, honing their craft, and preparing for this moment. And today, we gather to witness the culmination of all the hard work as they take the field to do battle. So let us sit back and consider what promises to be an unforgettable event. This is the big game. Forgive me as I stretch my credibility a little bit, but I just kind of decided to lean into the seas, uh, season and uh, maybe look at some powerful Christian fundamentals through the lens of football. At our house, we have this running joke. Uh, when someone says something obvious or sometimes just dumb, uh, we call it football commentary. Uh, now, there are some classics like you know when Vince Lombardi said, we didn't lose the game, we just ran out of time. Or Joe Theismann said, you gotta score to put points on the board. Or When Joe Mad- John Madden said, the winner of this game is going to be whoever has the most points on the scoreboard at the end. <laughs> well, it turns out in, this, in, in uh, this kind of commentary falls into three groups. Items that are blindingly obvious, incredibly dumb, or just both. So to, prepare for, I know. so to prepare for tonight's game, let's, let me share some of these pearls of wisdom because when you have so many people in the spotlight for so long, some interesting things are gonna be said. John Gruden said, meaningless yards are not meaningful. Jerry Rice says, I feel like I'm the best, but you're not gonna get me to say that. Phil, <laughs> Phil Simms says, for it to be a forward pass, it has to go forward. Michael Vick said, I have two weapons, my arms, my legs, and my brain. (laughs) George Rogers said, I want to rush for 1,000 or 1,500 yards, whichever comes first. (laughs) Craig Ironhead Hayward said, people say I'll be drafted in the first round, maybe even higher. And... (laughs) And of course, there was George Raveling who said, when I went to Catholic high school in, in Philadelphia, we just had one coach for football and basketball. He took all of us, turned us, uh, turned out and had us run through the forest. And the ones who ran into the trees, they were the football team. <laughs> and some people think football, you know, players are temperamental, you know, 90% temper and 10% mental. Uh, and... That's not necessarily true, as minimal acuity is beneficial in in football, but it's commitment and understanding the fundamentals that wins games. You don't have to know Greek to win at football, and I found that in Christianity, it's kind of the same way. So tonight, uh, we're going to go back to some fundamentals that apply to the big game, and also in our Christian walk, regardless of where we are in terms of knowledge, experience, and maturity. So it turns out if you crush things down to their most basic element, there are three things that are, that are essential. You've got to listen to the coach, you've got to be ready to play, and you've got to play to win. Let's start with listening to the coach. As you might expect, you've got to know who the coach is. And I know this may ruffle some feathers, but it's not Fox News. It's not CNN. It's not MSNBC. Or the, he's saying, um, okay... How about now? Okay. Uh, It's not, (laughs) now I am going to get in trouble (laughs) because it's also not Joe Biden. It's also not Donald Trump, not Ron DeSantis, and as much as I love him, it's not even Blake Dozier or other uh, preachers in the brotherhood. It turns out they had the same problem in the New Testament. So in First Corinthians three, it's it, in starting in verse one. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it, and even now you're not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, you are not of the flesh, and beha- are, you are of the flesh and behaving only in a hu- are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way. For one says, I follow Paul. And another, I follow Apollos. Are you not being merely human? Who then is Paul? What is Ap- uh, uh Who then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one. And each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Skipping down to verse 18. Let no one deceive himself. If one among you thinks that he is wise in his age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of the world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God. One person said, in order to follow the plan, you have to know the man. And sometimes I just need some clarity. I need to remember who's in charge of Well, of Oldham Lane, of J.D. Wallace, and in a deed of all Christians, it is God through Jesus Christ. And so if that's the case, I need to communicate to the one that's in charge. First Thessalonians in five, it says, uh, verse 16, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What Paul is asking is to maintain a continual attitude of conversation, of prayer, not just as a designated times, but through all of life. This reflects the importance of staying in that communication with God and seeking his guidance and wisdom in all aspects of our lives. And to be honest, I don't know how you can give thanks in all circumstances if you're not continually in prayer. Similarly, in sports, we've got to be coachable, and not every player is coachable. Truth be told, I'm not always coachable. How about you? Are you coachable? What about matters of the spirit? Are you listening to the coach? In Luke 6 and 46, Jesus makes a pretty bold uh, uh, statement. He says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my word and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep, laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood came, the torrent struck the house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my word and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed. And its destruction was complete. We've got to listen. But we've also got to be ready to play. Now here's a, a, a pearl of, of wisdom, kind of approaches a football commentary. Wearing a uniform doesn't make you a player. Calling ourselves a Christian doesn't make us one if all we're doing is just wearing the name and it's not a new problem as we see those who wanted to wear uh the name christian in the new, new testament but didn't really want to be one now there's several examples but probably the one that's uh most notable is in acts 5 so starting in verse 1 but a man named ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and with the wife's knowledge he kept back for himself some of the proceeds And I think, just to pause there just for, uh, for a bit, when you wear the name Christian and you are not a Christian, you're not lying to the people around you. You're lying to God. Picking up in verse 5, When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and he breathed his last, and great fear came upon all who heard it. The young men rose, wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. After an inter- interval of about three hours, his wife came in, Uh, When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out, buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. And so you have to ask, why did fear come upon the church? And it was because the story of Ananias and Sapphira spread among the people, so they realized that if you put on the name Christian, you had better Be serious because of the consequences for name only Christians is severe. And, you know, before we take that too negatively, I think it's, it's kind of attractive that you've got to be serious about being a Christian, that only serious individuals need apply. You see, further down in Acts 5, it says, and more than ever, believers were added to the lord multitudes of both men and women there's something attractive about christians being serious in their faith and that brings me to preparing ahead while you may wear the name or the uniform uh uniform then we've got to prepare in sport, it's essential for each player to know the playbook as it contains the strategies and tactics that the team will use to win the game. Similarly, in our spiritual lives, it's essential for us to know the playbook as well. God's word, the Bible. In 2 Timothy 2, 3, 16, and we're probably familiar with this uh, uh, verse, Paul says, all scripture, is God breathed, is useful for teaching rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Just as a player who doesn't know the playbook will not be able to effectively contribute to the team's success, I don't think we can effectively live for God if we don't know his word. And knowing his word is not just about memorizing verses. It's about studying it, understanding it, applying it to our lives. And when we do this, we're equipped to serve God and to live for him in a way that is pleasing to him. But you can't win the game by just studying the playbook. Can you imagine a team that is called on the field and they say, oh, no, no, no. We just want to study the playbook. I've seen it. Perhaps you have too. Christians that want to study all the time, but never go out, never encourage And frankly, while they may know the Bible inside and out, they never go out on the field of play. You can't win from the sidelines. The statement rings true in many aspects of life, including our spiritual journey. We can't expect to grow in our faith and bless and encourage others if we're just sitting on the sidelines. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24, Paul says, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get one that will last forever. Just as athletes train and work hard in order to uh, succeed, we've got to work hard, be in strict training, in order to live the life that is pleasing to God. This means reading, studying the Bible, praying, and serving others so it's not enough simply to know jesus is our lord we must also follow the plan we must make a conscious effort to submit ourselves to his training and discipline so that we can win the ultimate prize which is eternal life the bible tells us that we're called to be active members of the body of christ first corinthians 12 says and 27 now you are the body of christ and each one of you as is part of it Just as every uh, part of the body plays a crucial role, so does each of us play a crucial role in furthering God's kingdom. God has given us all gifts and talents to use for his glory. We can't fulfill this calling by simply watching each other do the work. When we play it safe, stay on the sidelines, we also miss out on being able to participate in the uh, divine, in transformation, in growth, That comes with stepping out of our comfort zone. That comes from stepping off the sidelines. This brings us to our final point. We've got to play to win. And the only way to win is that it can't be about me. It's got to be about we. And so there's two ways to do this. For one, you've got to support the team. Well, how do you do that? Well, one way is we need to encourage each other. That's not an optional nicety, it is a critical necessity. Galatians 6 and 2 says, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Hebrews 10 and 24, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some of us are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. The author of Hebrews uh, talks about how to encourage and motivate one another in our faith journeys, encouraging one another in love and good deeds. This is especially important as we see the day approaching, and the day is approaching. Another way of supporting one another is don't intentionally hurt fellow believers. It's going to happen, and life is full of our bumping shoulders. But if I spend all my time in trying to bump back or sulking or worse yet, deliberately trying to inflict harm or division on the team, I'm not playing a win. First Corinthians 12 and 25. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. I'm I'm really glad to be at the team at Oldham because we overwhelmingly play together and it makes our Christian walk so much better. So while we're supporting each other, we also have to stick with the plan. The Bible is the playbook for uh, uh, believers and the church is God's plan. In Ephesians uh, 3 and verse 10, his intent was that now Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's be clear in our understanding. The church serves as a mean through which God's wisdom is and purpose is revealed and accomplished in the world. It's kind of like playing in the pocket in football. In football, the pocket refers to a, an area around the quarterback where he's trying to be protected by fellow team members, giving him time and, and, and you know, a space to make the pass. It's important for the quarterback to use the pocket and especially when facing pressure. This is because the pocket provides them with a more structured environment, allowing them to set their feet and uh, make quick, accurate throws. Additionally, the offensive line provides protection for the quarterback, giving him more time to survey the field and make decisions. Similarly, in our spiritual lives, it's important for us to stay focused on our faith, on our relationship with the church, and not be distracted by the pressures and challenges in the world around us. We need to stay in the pocket. This is the plan. Just like no football team will play without a pocket, I really... Find it difficult that we can withstand the withering attacks of Satan without the church. And finally, you have to score points to win. Satan lies when he suggests that you really don't have to play to win. In sport, it's not simply enough to have possession of the ball or to play a good game. you got to score points to win. The same is true in our spiritual lives. We must not aim just to, well, I'll just live a good life. But we must also strive to win the ultimate victory in Christ. So what's that look like? God has called us to go and live a life that is pleasing to him. For one thing, it's not about being happy, but being holy. And then happiness happens. In Colossians 3 and 23, Paul says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. When we live our lives for the Lord and serve him with all our hearts, we're scoring spiritual victories. And frankly, whether it feels like it or not, we're winning. The excitement is palpable. The anticipation is building, and the stakes are high. But this is not a game. It's a showcase of skill, strength, and determination. We've trained, we've honed our craft, and we prepare for this moment and every moment after. And today, we gather to witness the culmination of all our work. As we take the field, let us consider what promises to be an un forgettable event but this is not a game this is our life God doesn't want us to live any life he wants us to live the big life the kind of life that makes the world less broken the kind of life that creates an oasis for the people that he loves in our big life we need to know some things number one Jesus is preeminent In John 14 and 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except uh, through me. There's four basic elements for life. Water, air, food, light. And I don't think it's an accident when Jesus says, I am the living water. I am the breath of life. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Jesus is the only plan to salvation and it's through him we are able to have a relationship with god football's hard life is harder and knowing the fundamentals is not about winning or losing but it's about life and death and he wants us to have life and have it abundantly where we keep ourselves and others from the evil one But it's hard work and it's about preparation and it's about participation. First Peter 2 and 9 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful life. Once you were not his people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So here's the secret. We don't win in our lives. We get to dominate in our lives. The victory is already won. God wants us as his his people. He wants us to come to him. He wants us to put Christ on in baptism and follow him. That's the plan. He wants everybody on his team. But even in the best team, you get knocked down and you fall short. We all get knocked down. Many of us have been knocked down a lot. But it's not about being knocked down. It's about how many times you get up. And we have a family here that will help anyone get up. If you have any need, you can come forward as we sing the song. That's been selected.